Hello and welcome to the Bull Mountain Brothers Podcast with your hosts, Ramsey Rutschke, Riley Rutschke, and Sean Morris. What is up, podcast listeners? I am back with my fellow podcast teammates here, and we actually decided it would be kind of fun to have our guest this week join us on the Wall Tent Chronicles. Absolutely. So this week... We're going to go around the table, and per the uh, format of this podcast, we'll each tell a story, and I think the topic of this one will be, whoever wants to start first, what is your scariest outdoor adventure? A little side anecdote that I think is hilarious about how we just finished the last podcast beating a dead horse about how we weren't going to have a format, and you started this by saying our well, format uh, of the podcast. <laughs> no, 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 no. What I was saying in that realm was... We're not going to have like a schedule every week of like, this is, we got to do the three of us this week, interview this week, blah, blah, blah. We're just doing it how we want to do it. Right. When it comes to the Wall Tent Chronicles, I mean, that's what it is. We each tell a story. Okay. Right? Okay. All right. Well, thanks, Ramsey, for making you look like an asshole. Yeah. You, know what, you know what? Let's, let's make our guest on this. Oh, under the gun. Start out with the scariest hunting oh, man. slash fishing slash outdoor story he's ever could be had. a farming one too. Could it could? How much scary fishing have you done? <laughs> <laughs> wow! Yeah, sitting there on the bank. And, God damn that son of got me. Only <laughs> white almost got me. And Although, like, if you had like a story in Alaska where there was like a grizzly bear twenty feet away from you, that's pretty terrifying. Yeah, I'd have to go to Alaska for that. Yeah, <laughs> gotta go through Canada here. though. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I have nothing against them. Uh, I do. What do you got, Dylan? <laughs> okay, so I actually don't have a lot of scary hunting stories, but I guess the the one I, that comes to mind was we were in high school, and you know, up there when you're bored, you go shoot jackrabbits or coyotes or something, you know, and you know, waste time. Like a lot of kids, you know, they would go drink beer and stuff after high school sports and stuff you know let's let's be real it happened oh all the time yeah we would go shoot jackrabbits we were maybe we were just dumb i don't know we didn't we didn't drink or anything we just we'd go shoot jackrabbits and listen to music and have a good time and it was a day one day before like i think jv basketball started at like two so we were out like messing around that morning shooting coyotes and I'm hanging out the window of a pickup going about 65 across the field, shooting a Beretta at a coyote. <laughs> <laughs> and he turned, the driver turns really sharp, and I'm about to go out the window. And the only thing he caught me by was a belt loop. And he pulled me back in. And I'm thinking of what could have happened if I actually went out the window. And that was by far the scariest, like most scared I ever was I, I hunting. F- I feel like what you started that with is like a. Like an intro to like a bad joke. <laughs> you ever been hanging out, hanging out a window, holding a Beretta? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There I you was. Think it's gonna be awesome. Going across the prairie in a square body Chevy at yeah. sixty mile an hour. <laughs> like every other month. Hanging by the belt loop. <laughs> About like ten minutes before that happened, we hit a washout so hard the spare tire shot up behind the pickup because it bottomed out everything. <laughs> I've never seen that before. It's impressive. It broke the cable and the tire just. I look back and I just see the tire go. Whoop. <laughs> I'm like, oh shit! <laughs> Why is the spare tire passing us right now? <laughs> yeah. Good thing it's a rental. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. People are so hard on rental cars. So, just because of, uh, I'm not picking on you, but how quick that was. I want you to tell us the scariest moment 
that you've had as a farmer? Farmer. All right. Okay, so our main auger for loading grain silos is a belt auger instead of like a regular, you know, auger. Screwdriver auger. Yeah. And uh, my grandpa loves to farm. He's one of those, you know, I'll retire, but he's always around, you know, just because he loves it. He doesn't know any better. And I was probably about 12 years old. And I'm up, it's, you know, that age where you're, Grandpa's trying to teach you everything you need to know to do a job. And I'm in the tractor and I start it up and I give him the thumbs up and he gives me the thumbs up back and I kick the PTO on to start the belt. And about the time, you know, there's that like two second leg time when you engage a PTO where it actually turns live and turns on. And he looks up and realizes he didn't untarp the truck. And he goes and puts one foot on the belt and that's right when it engages. And before I know it, my 75-year-old grandpa's on his back. <laughs> I'm just thinking, oh, I killed grandpa. Mm. And uh, oh, I get everything shut off. And he didn't go up dog or anything, but it, it knocked him on his ass pretty hard. And uh, I get out and I was like, are you okay? And he's like, no, I'm good. That wasn't very smart of me, was it? And I'm like, you scared the shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, what would that have done if he got... Oh, I, I mean, since I was in the tractor, I don't think anything bad would have happened i because you can get it shut off fast enough i mean he could have got like wedged in the auger for a little bit but i was so quick to shut it off i don't think anything bad would have happened right this is the same man that i had to been like eight years old you know those um spring tooth harrows that you used to like knock grass over it? it's like the big spikes for farming okay kinda, i guess to you know describe it and he was out doing that alone one night and um something hung up and he had a shovel and everything and he was trying to get it unpried or something and i don't know exactly what happened i wasn't there but he ended up pinned under it and that spike went through his leg in like three different spots completely through and all he had was that shovel and he dug a hole underneath his leg and slid his leg off of the spikes and hobbled to the tractor and got on the radio and called for help oh god holy shit and they I, don't make them like yeah, they built used different. to no and the whole time i wasn't very old but that i mean that left a memory in my head of how because i i would have been passed out under so there. i mean that that's just like straight up older generation people just are grit different i mean seriously yeah. oh yeah the will to fight for your life i feel like is different oh, dude, i watched my dad break his wrist like 15 miles in snowmobiling and he had to drive the snowmobile out with a broken wrist oh well that always reminds me of like and never once did he complain or wince or whatever. He just oh like, yeah, yeah. Tucked his arm in and my grandpa's saying was, "I worked hard, but the generation before me worked harder." Mm, that's a good. You point. know they can't. Uh, we're soft. Yeah, so yeah we're can't say that. <laughs> I feel like we're third we're, generation what, soft what, dog shit. What soft. Is, okay, so as a base baseline here, baby boomers, right? Our World War Two, right after generation, yeah. right after. What the next generation's generation X X Dude, X or Z? And that's like I don't know. yeah, that's like fifty, like late fifties through like maybe late sixties, early seventies. Yeah, fifties and sixties. So, what was the next one? We're Generation Soft, if you're wondering. <laughs> Our, a Charmin Ultra, yeah, we are. box of kittens. I, I know, we're not even millennials, are we? Are yeah, we, the cutoff. The... Well, okay, here's the deal. Uh, I, I Google get... it. It's worth a Google. No, 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 no. <laughs> don't Google it. I'm serious because it is an argument. Because 
there is plenty of sites that'll tell you that the cutoff for millennials is is 96 and then there's tons that say it's 97 well, well you were you born? Either way, 97 so. yeah that's why that's why so no i'm, I'm oh, just wait, saying wait, so millennials you're saying yeah. 97 up no it's like 80, 88 or 89. So I, I'm a millennial. Yes. Yeah. No matter, like, no doubt you're a millennial. But the thing is, is like, there's plenty of sites you look at. It's definitely 97. I'm a good millennial. Is it 97? I work hard no, for I'm just saying that to make you a millennial. No, I You know, guys are getting I paid? Just, I just, no. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. Is I, I don't know. But anyway, not to drag this on, but I do want to ask you one more thing. Is because you told me a story about your grandfather. Huh? On unloading a grain truck and something catastrophic happened with the game, the grain truck. Oh yeah, and I, I just want you to tell that story. Are you talking about the one where the frame broke? Yes. Okay. So our grain auger is actually kind of cool. It's made out of Canada, so it's all one auger with a um, drive over, so you don't have a jump auger. Mm. And I I don't think it was actually my grandpa unloading the truck. I think it was a cousin, older like older first cousin of my dad's. And he raises the hoist, and the middle of the frame buckled, and it just sat it on the ground. And uh, I, my crap was like, could you imagine if like someone was under that or anything? I'm like, yeah, it wouldn't have been good. I mean, for any reason, would somebody ever be under that? No, is it just kind of <laughs> not like at one the or anything? It, I mean, you could maybe be standing on the truck raising the hoist because I mean the levers and everything for the hydraulics and everything is right on inside the door. So you usually stand on like the step and run it. Farming is a dangerous game. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, where my fiance's from, there is a family right around their family farm. Um, it was a family of six kids, and the mom was out disking a field. And that was back when they had, like, open cabs in the back, you know, like a door. And one of the kids fell out and got ran through the disc Ooh. and got killed. And that's that's the worst farming death i've ever heard i mean i've heard of people getting pinned under stuff but i mean like a kid getting put through a disc shit yeah that'd be that's terrifying that it's amazing i mean modern equipment and stuff there's no way that's really possible with safety and everything because i mean we're talking like the first time i ran the combine you know you're sitting on your grandpa's lap steering leaving skips and shit and you know (laughs) he's not saying anything he's just you know having a good time teaching you and these new machines, I mean, if like you could set the auto steer and everything, but you stand up out of the seat and the sensor reads you're not in the seat, it shuts everything down. And before you know it, you're probably, I've never actually tried it, but I feel like it's going to shut everything off and just keep driving because it won't hit the brakes because it doesn't want you to hit the glass or something. But I decided if you have a lunchbox that's heavy, like heavy enough, you could just set it in the like seat and turn the auto steer on and then you can go pee off the the stairs <laughs> the the farmers that i know they ratchet strap the seat down yeah so then you you know you set the auto steer set the nudge to 10 inches and you can go pee off the steps you know look around see if the machine sounds good <laughs> you know the farm the farm insurance guy Seriously. drives by what well there's the always yeah, he's like don't don't tell those guys is there a farm osha guy <laughs> no that's the beauty of it <laughs> you kill yourself on your own time that's right so that, uh speaking of like the the tough guys you're talking about here that just always reminds me of trapper dave dude like again I, i've heard so many stories of him like like the snowmobile story the snowmobile breaks down like 15 miles from camp in like two feet of snow and just walks back to camp in the middle of the night at 70 years old like this piece is built different dude I, 
there would have been a point where I'm just like, Jesus, take the wheel. Like, there's there's a there's a drive though. In, I guess if you're gonna die, you're probably gonna just go. It's an individual. I feel like accomplishment in your brain that happens that you're life or death. Most people don't know what a life or death scenario is. Yeah. Not saying I do because I, I, I don't. I mean, I do. But because of the last, last summer, but I don't talk about that. So this same dude that within trapping has to release mountain lions out of his trap. Right. And the only way to do that is to reach down. John, I can't wait for you. I can't wait for you to meet old Trapper Dave. Undo excited. the trap. I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> so, Sean, um, oh. that leads us into Sean, what is your story? Uh, we're going with me? Yeah, because I think Ramsey and I are going to end up telling the same story together. Okay. They're going to hold hands. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm under the table. No. I want above. Just do like the Michelangelo. Thing. Oh, this is a good moment we caught on camera. Okay. <laughs> so. I might have to change my pants now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> we got to edit that out of there. Yeah, that is. Uh, that's odd. He pooped. He pooped. Oh, okay. So. He peed a little. <laughs> I guess I'm gonna go with uh Knowing Sean it's gotta be a fishing story. No. No not. big old great white. Yeah. <laughs> In the Missouri. Lake <laughs> Elmo. <laughs> it's like Jaws. I I mean big pike. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of teeth. No, you so ever seen the great white chief. <laughs> <laughs> gotta edit that I'm out sorry. too. I'm sorry. Sorry, Sean. Continue. Hunting story. Mm-hmm. Big uh, gopher hunt. Yeah, it was huge. <laughs> I, uh, who the fuck told Dylan to just be a fucking <laughs> asshole? <laughs> it's working out he's, fantastic. He's turned into this person. I know. Well, he was so <laughs> nice and quiet at the beginning, and now he's just like, Sean, fuck you. <laughs> I'm kind of just running with it. <laughs> um, so, anyway, hunting story. So, where I used to hunt when I first got into hunting was uh, up western Montana and uh, northwestern Montana and uh, my buddy has hunted up in this area for I mean years he had a cabin up there growing up his dad always took him there shot his first deer there blah blah blah. he knew the area pretty well and we went up there right I mean this was literally like the year I got my hunting license I mean it was I was brand new to hunting I mean the only thing I knew is what I've gathered from going with people hunting before where I didn't even have a tag. And so we go up to this area. It changed. He ended up not having the cabin that he used to, which in that area, it was it was a private road that connected to National Forest that the last cabin on that private road was his. Oh, I've heard this story. And so we went up. He used to go up that way. I've been to his. I actually had been to his cabin before it. Things changed, whatever. And come to find out is that year that I started hunting, um, the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation bought a plot of land up there and made it public. And it was about four miles lower on the mountain than where his cabin was, but it still brought you to the same area. And so that was actually my very first with a rifle and a tag elk hunting trip I've ever done. And so we went up there, parked, walked, we went in 
And this area, I mean, it's a, it's, I, I guess I can't say it's a typical Western Montana hunt, but as far as I know, it is because Western Montana elk hunts, you go in mm-hmm. more than your legs want to take. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it was four miles to even get to where his cabin used to be. And you got to go another eight, six to eight to get into prime elk area. So, I mean, t- 10 plus miles, essentially. So we're going it. We got there at 2.30 in the morning after getting my truck stuck a half a dozen times trying to get there because of the, the snow. Mm-hmm. Um, we got in there and got in. It broke light about the time we hit mile six. And, I mean, which I guess you could say is slow if you think about it. We got there at 2.30. Got up, pretty much got out three. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what is typical shooting light and rifle? Seven thirty. Seven seven thirty. Yeah. So we get there, whatever, and so we are hiking across a mountain, Twin Butte, and there's a mountain next to it that I I'm not going to name the mountain because it'll give it away. Um, prime for elk if you're on the right side. Mm-hmm. We glassed off Twin Butte for probably two hours, didn't see any elk, kept moving, went about another three miles. And the thing about that area is there's a creek that runs through it that you cross four or five times because it winds so much in order to get to the very, I mean, what I know at this point, prime elk air, prime elk country. Mm-hmm. And that that was our end goal, which at that point, I think... It's 11 miles total to get there. And maybe a little less, maybe like eight or nine. But so we're going there and we're, we're crossing the creek. And I, I've hiked that area when I used to go to his cabin all the time, never hunting. It was in the middle of the summertime, you know, shot gophers, done all that. And I, I knew the area enough to know where we were, but the snow kind of threw me off. And I mean, kids. I mean, honestly, you go in anywhere, snow's there, you, you, you're kind of a little bit disorientated from, from uh, you know, different amounts of mass that are in your area, I guess you could say. But So I didn't really know exactly where we were, but there was an area there called the Bear Meadows, is what he called it. You know, growing up in that area, it's probably, I mean, who knows what the real name of that area is, but um, we're, we're across the creek for the third time. And it's, it's basically like at the base of the or very bottom of this mountain. It's a huge flat, probably, I mean, shit, I don't know, a mile long of just flat area with those, uh, I can't even think of, like the, it's not junipers. I'm trying to think of the, the tree. Super thick. Real, really like a brush. Thick. Yeah, it, it. They're not willows. They're tall, but they're really thick. I can't think. I don't know what the word is, but yeah, I know. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and it, I mean it's super thick on the creek side because of the the overgrowth from mm-hmm. the, from the moisture or whatever. And then there's a trail because it's a national forest that people hike during the during the summertime. But I mean, if you're that dedicated as a hiker, and it's super thick the area we're going through because we want to kind of keep our feet wet and 
make sure because the area where the trail is, it's kind of open and we don't want anything to be in there and see us. And I'm basically just following him. And we're about halfway through this area. And my buddy, who's been up there his whole life, kind of does a double take behind me almost. And I, you know, somebody's new to hunting. I'm like, well, you know, maybe he saw something or whatever. And I'm kind of like looking behind me. And two minutes go by. We're still walking on through this thick shit and he does it again but he throws his rifle behind his back and he's got a 45 on his chest puts his hand on that thing and doing one of these and I'm still behind him like holy shit he probably sees something you know I'm fucking I'm fucking i'm like a elementary school kid with this guy because he's hunted his whole life and i'm like oh, i don't know what the fuck's going on you know and I, he, he does it again and then he starts picks his pace up a little bit and i'm like he sees some you know we're gonna we're trying to move somewhere else blah blah and all of a sudden he does it again double takes back at me and it kind of turns into like a jog sprint and i'm like what the fuck what is this guy doing? I, I'm just following him like five feet behind him. Keep going. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it turns from a jog to a dead sprint in five minutes. I mean, this is a span of five minutes to a dead sprint as fast as he could. And I'm keeping up with him. And at, still at this point, I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. And I'm just following him. And where we cross the, the creek the fourth time, it curves up to Twin Butte, which is where we were planning on going. He crosses that creek fast. I mean, it's a deeper creek, and you're wearing gators trying to cross. The first time we crossed was five minutes of, you know, trying to be careful on how you're crossing. He fucking sprinted across this thing. I mean, seriously, like, he didn't stop. And I was, so I followed him, you know, I'm fucking tripping on rocks, whatever. And he kept going up the trail. I mean, it's an incline, and he just kept going. And I, I was following him. I was sucking wind. I mean, I was not in shape. And I'm sitting there, and we finally get to a spot where we now call the meadow, which is kind of, I don't know, three quarters of a mile up this up this mountain, Twin Butte. And we stop there, and he finally stops, and I'm like, what the fuck happened? And I'm like, did you see something? Like, did you see, like, a herd of deer or, you know, an elk that you wanted to try and loop around on or something? And he goes, are you fucking serious? And I'm like, What? He goes, there was a fucking grizzly bear at 15 yards from you at one point in that fucking thick shit. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he's like, you didn't notice the whole like double take shit I was doing? And I was like, now that I think about it, I mean, that I've hunted for a few more years. When in the fuck would somebody that sees a big game animal that they're hunting shoulder their rifle and go to their semi-automatic pistol. I would. When you're, no, I'm saying when you're hunting big game. Oh yeah. yeah no. When would, when would anybody ever do that? The light bulb probably would have went on for me right exactly. there. Exactly. Yeah, at that point you probably really didn't. Exactly. I had big no idea. Gopher. And literally, I mean, he told, he told me, <laughs> sorry, he, he told me he turned around and there was, I mean, 15 yards from me at one point to my back. There's a grizzly bear. Do you know how scary that really is? You'd have been dead if he would have been with you. I guarantee it. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. I had no fucking idea. Because you'd have probably kept that the is same the first, taste and... That is the first time. He would have found it eventually. <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, my neck hurts all of a sudden. Oh, it's a bear. We don't know what would have happened. I'm being really. delimbed right now. This so that is like now because that was the first time I ever encountered a grizzly bear. And the smell stuck with me. Like I know now grizzly bears stink. Oh yeah. It smells can, like death. Okay, I, I've I've always heard like a musty smell. Kind of is that is that real? It, it it more. I mean, like legitimately to try and pinpoint mm-hmm. the smell. It smells like a dead rodent. It mm. smells like death. Like it just it doesn't. Like you know when you get in somewhere and you smell elk, you know what that smells like. Yeah. I mean, even I I'd like to say even before I got into elk hunting, I. When I first went out, I knew that that was elk even before I did, essentially, because it's not like a bad smell. Right. A grizzly bear, it, I mean, it is so distinctful that it's, I mean, I guess I've never been that close to a black bear, so I don't know the difference. But, I mean, it truly smells like a carcass. Wow. When you. I can't believe you've never told me that story before. That's like, that's an amazing, that's. That's terrifying. Yeah. And that was I've never seen a grizzly bear. That I've never a, seen a bear. Literally my really? f- first. Nope. That w- I didn't see that bear. And then it happened again. Okay. At a, se- at, a, at a later time, which I won't tell that story. But, and, I mean, that, it's like one of those smells that just mm-hmm. stays with. And so, like, anytime I ever go out anywhere, if I ever get a hint of that, I you know, you know. So like, Sean really loves hunting over in eastern Montana. Then. No grizzly bears here. <laughs> Which is funny because I said that not even knowing anything about hunting. And my brother-in-law, two, last two years ago, actually jumped a grizzly archery hunting. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have a pistol or bear spray. He just had his bow. Yes. Like a jump meaning behind a Christmas tree at 11 yards. And he said the same thing. He goes, it, he goes, the whole, he goes, it smells like death. Yeah. Like that's what it smells like. I'd be running so fast. <laughs> and that bear would still catch you. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Well, that's I think the thing. they run that's like 38 miles yeah. an hour. But here's the thing. It's like, it's number. weird though, because I mean, even though I wasn't very situationally aware in that scenario and he was because he saw it. That's everyone's first reaction when they see a grizzly bear. If you do run, yeah. run downhill. Why if you're that? with someone, just run faster than because them. Because they're... I feel like that's legs, what he was their doing, Their front too. legs are shorter than their rear legs, so they can't run downhill as fast as they can run uphill. I just would never want to get in that position ever. It's, and I can tell you as a fact, as a 300-and-some-pound man, I run way fucking faster downhill than I do uphill. <laughs> I'm almost somersaulting. I've only hunted in... It's like Jersey. that saying, if I'm running, please shoot whatever's chasing me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And I will make sure in that scenario that I am not the last person in the group. <laughs> well, Ramsey, Sean, and and Dylan both had like very real, real life like, scariness. This is some supernatural. Our story is like way off the spectrum here. So bear with us because the shit happened, and you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna be like, this sounds stupid, but it happened, and like every time we think about it, see, Matt's gonna be really bummed he wasn't here to tell the story because. He's still spooked to this day, and he's been hunting that ranch for 30 years. <laughs> I also have some, some cool side stories that, that Trapper Dave told, too, that I can 
Well, what time are we at? Do we have time? Uh, 25 minutes. Oh, right, we're doing good. So I'll start it off, Ramsey, and you just come in as you want. Yeah. Okay. So this was 2020. This is the same weekend that I shot that bull, uh, which I have, I can't believe I've never talked about in this podcast, but my only archery arrow to land in a bull I lost in 2020 and still just for the record it was not for lack of trying we followed it for six and a half miles yeah we would dude that's the most hiking i've ever done for trying to find something and then all of a sudden the blood just disappeared regardless that's another story for another time same weekend 2020 was probably the best was it the first night too which that i had ever been hunting out there yeah so well archery hunting you've shot you shot deer out there once but um Basically, that year was probably the best elk hunting I've ever had in my whole life. Between probably four weekends, me and Matt saw probably four to six hundred elk Jeez. easily. Wow. And I'm telling you right now, you're not going to believe this. 65% of them were bulls probably Jeez. to 70% of them. Wow. It's crazy. It's, it was just on, an amazing On the year. same solid piece of property. Yeah, it's the same. It's a 670,000 acre ranch. Um, but anyways, we decided that we, we were figuring at that point we, we had patterned and this was probably the second to last week in archery season. So we had the elk pretty much patterned. And so our Matt and I's deal was we would go hunt the closer to the river at night or in the morning because they were coming up from the river, coming up from the cornfields. And then if that didn't work out, that's actually where I shot that bull was like right down by the cornfields. Um, at night we would go up into the hills cause they're, that's what they do is they'll come up off the river from the feed and go way up into the hills and spend the day in the, in the timber in the shelter. Bed down. Yeah. And uh, so we decided, and that actually was, it was Ramsey, Matt's cousin, Corey, Matt and I. So basically what we would do is either the th- Matt or Ramsey, Corey and I would hunt together or Matt and I, or we would just split up in pairs. Just you can cover more ground, find more elk. And so, you can put the other two guys in the shitty spot. <laughs> You're going to have to ask Matt about that one. He's the guy. <laughs> He's the, what does he call himself? The expert. The expert. The expert. Um, so we go way up. There's actually a huge, huge, like, it's not a mountain. I don't even know what you would call it. As close as you can get to, like, a mountain in this area that's above camp. And I don't know. I don't really want to say what it's called, right? A, a no. butte? Yeah, like a huge butte. We'll call it the butte, the old butte place. That's that's a good way to call it. Um, way to go, Tom. And uh, Matt and I had gone in there weekend after weekend. And, and of course, he's been hunting it for 30 years, so he knows where the elk are at. And there's this one drainage. And funny enough, the first time I ever saw elk on that property, I was with his dad, Dave. And the same drainage is where I saw, like, my first, like, heard of elk during archery season it was like seven years ago it was like i was like a little kid giddier and shit but um it's this one awesome drainage that like goes way down and for like a, two miles away you can see the, the neighboring fence down there and they're always in there i don't know what keeps them packed in there um unfortunately a fire went through last year and wiped this whole special honey hole out but we were down in there friday night and where were you what did you come later or something no, we got there that night, and then we hunted as soon as we got there. Yeah, but Matt and I were by ourselves. And then the next night, you guys went back. It was the second night that you guys did Well, this. I want to talk about the first night. No, I was, it wasn't the first night. That was it happened. the weekend before? Because the first night, we had like 45 minutes. You guys just drove down there. You didn't. Yeah, but you weren't with us. 
What did you I was do? with Corey. We were at the same spot both nights. But, oh, we oh we split up both nights. Yeah. Okay. So when we went into the spot, we left Ramsey and Corey. Essentially, they were within two miles of us, but it was like they could cut off the elk down here. We could cut off the elk over here. Essentially, is what it turned into the strategy being. But yeah, Matt did take us to his the favorite drainage, regardless. Um, I shit you not, that one night we got there. I had 16 screaming bulls all around me all night long until dark. I have videos. I'm sitting in this juniper and I had, I called a bull into like, had to have been 40 yards, but he wouldn't peek through the trees and it got dark. I couldn't see, but I had bulls everywhere. They were screaming next to each other, next to each other, next to each other within like a couple hundred yard radius. This whole drainage was full of elk. Now, granted, do I understand the elk move? Yes. But this isn't, this is a drainage we're going to every single night. There's always elk in it. Even if we bump them. And we didn't bump them that night. We, we snuck out of there after dark and drove off. They were still screaming when we left. So when I tell you this next part, you're going to be like, well, maybe they just left. I don't think they did. Because it was just weird. So, of course, the next day we make our plan. The morning didn't work out. I don't remember what happened. but um, So we decided to take like the last four hours of the day to go back up to this spot. And Ramsey and Corey were going to go down into this one coulee and we we're going to go back to the drainage that we like to go to. And Matt, when I drop Ramsey and Corey off and it's actually where we drop them off is at this uh, natural spring solar or this well that leaves ponds. And it's really good for the elk. They come, they, they come up there all the time. There's literally sign everywhere and we have them on camera there too. And so that's the spot we put them. And that's our rallying point too. That's like, cause there's a big, uh, what is that big green thing there? Is it a pump? I don't know. There's a big machinery thing there that we always... It's like a tank or something. It's like we rally at that point all the time. Called the green tank. Yeah. That's what it is. And so Matt and I go to our spot. Same time of the day. Perfect elk time. You're right at where they're going to start screaming, right? We get in there and I shit you not, there's not a sound. There's not a bird chirping. There's not elk in there. There's not deer in there. There's not a squirrel tr- making noise. The the air is dead. The everything's dead. Like just the most silent thing I've ever heard in my life. Like to the point where you can hear your heartbeat. Yeah. And so Matt and I sat there for 10 minutes and he put off a couple cow calls and we're just sitting there and we're like this kind of feels kind of weird, huh? And Matt's like, "Yeah, this is kind of fucking weird." And he's like, "Let's leave." And so <laughs> I go to leave and my first instinct as a hunter is like, I think there's a cat in here, right? Mm-hmm. Which I'm not super scared of, but at the same time, you know, you could get fucked up if you're in the wrong situation. So, like, we backed out. So, I tried calling Ramsey. It calls one time, rings three times, and I know exactly what happens. Kill his Kills his phone. His phone died from me calling it. And so, I'm like, fuck. Like, I can't. I know they're down there and they're hunting. And I'm like, fuck, man. I hope they're. And they separated because that's what they'll do. They'll go down there and they'll split up. And I'm like, dude, like this whole time, I'm just like, as an older brother, so even though like we quarrel or whatever, like I'm, I'm a mom when it comes to Ramsey, like I'm always fucking on the radio. Like, are you like dying? Like, are you good? <laughs> like, I make sure he's all right. And, uh, I can't get a hold of him. Like, well, what the fuck? And so Matt's like, well, let's just go over to this other drainage where we saw a couple elk yes the other day and just pass time. And then we'll meet back up with them. We have a rallying point. And, uh, Matt and I. 
go over to this other drainage and the same thing, dude, like we get out and there's just no noise. There's nothing going on. There's nothing at all. And we're like, what the fuck? And then all of a sudden, and I don't know how to explain it to this guy without sounding like a psychopath. It sounds like someone's taking a big, uh, like pipe and hitting a gong with it. And it's just echoing through the Canyon. Just like, and we're like, what in the actual fuck is going on? So like, we like scurry back into the ranger and we're like, dude, what the fuck is going on? And it's like low light at this point. And I'm like, then I'm like starting to freak out that I haven't heard from because Corey's not fucking answering his phone either. And we're like, dude, what the fuck is going on? All right. I'm going to pause you there. Okay. And kind of go to your, I'm, I'm sitting here. And I, I didn't really notice at first that it was quiet, but it was the whole time. I mean, I'm sitting here, you know, just kind of chilling, and there's a coyote runs through, and I kind of pull back on him, saying, yeah, I'll shoot a coyote with my bow. And the whole time, you know, that feeling like the hair on the back of your neck is just like, so I'm sitting here the whole time, kind of weird. Didn't I get a text and, through Hold you? on. Didn't I get a text on, through hold you? Hold on. Okay, okay. Okay. I know, but I want to. Didn't I? Okay, did, I'm put getting that, in your that right okay, now. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, hey, I get one text message from him. He texted me, and then he tried to call me. You dead yet? The one text message reads, "Hey, weird shit going on. <laughs> Keep a tree behind you, or like put your back to a tree or whatever." So I'm like, "What in the fuck is going on?" And there's like some whoopets. And Corey's doing weird shit. He's like, I'm on top of a bull. And I'm like, Corey, it sounds like a beef cow. <laughs> but like, this weird noises. Like, it, it was almost not like, it was just weird noises. And so, like, I, I go and find Corey because I'm like, I don't want to fucking be alone right now. And so I go to Corey. I'm like, Riley sent me this weird text. Let's just kind of make our way back up to the rallying point or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we get up there, and there's a her, like, I don't actually think it was a beef cow that he was chasing. I don't know what it was. But we get up top, and there's actually a herd of cows, like cattle, up on top of the plateau. And it's just getting dark. And I shit you not, every single one of them is looking straight in the sky. Which, super weird. I Like, if one or two of them doing it, it's like, eh, but it... They're just cows. There's like 14 of them, and they're all looking straight up in the air. And I'm like, okay, this is really weird. And I can hear the ranger. I'm like, wow, he's really hauling ass. And you can kind of see him like way off on the road. Light bars all on. And this dude is floored. And I can just see him coming across the field. And I'm like, dude, what is going on? Like, these guys are like hauling ass. You know what's crazy though? When we came back through, it's almost like whatever was going on. And I, I to this day, I can't. I can't explain. To, I can't even come up with an explanation for what the fuck was going on. Like, of course, your mind wants to go places like, well, we're close to the where they talk about the little people. You ever heard of that? Yeah, like prayers. We, we, yeah, we're close. I don't know. I don't want to even think of what was going on. Coincidence. I don't know what what it could have been. Nothing. We're coming back through, and it's like almost whatever was like had its footprint on that area lifted. Because when Matt and I came back, we hit this ditch and hundreds of elk are coming out of every fucking coulee. And it's like they were all like grouped up. Like something had them all like herded up. And 
coincidentally, right before we get to them at the well, I jumped the biggest fucking bull I've ever seen in my life. White, oh. white horned, like a 400 inch bull, dude. It had fucking royals on it. Like, I shit you not, like probably three foot fucking royals on it. And uh, so, like, first of all, we're like, oh my God, that just happened. And then we're like, we get back to those two. I'm like, oh, you guys are still alive. <laughs> but it's a weird energy tonight. Dude, that was, it was just like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, it was just like, do you have a combination of like, Big open land, low low light, and just sounds that. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it, though, too, is like once your mind absence hits. of sound is spooky. I oh, mean, let's yeah. be honest. Oh yeah. I mean, seriously. Like, when was the last time you left like alone in your silence? Exactly. And the thing is, is like I like I'm not saying this happened to you guys, but I feel like for me, like when there's an absence of sound and I'm by myself. I feel like my mind creates sound in a way. Which could be because to this day, I can explain a lot of things. But the one things I can't explain is like the gong sound. Yeah, that'd be weird. And then the cow thing. Like that's two things where I just don't mm. really know at all what to talk about. Like it was just weird. And, and the cow I thing could have been like those cats. Because they're out there all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like, hey, hey, watch this. We're really going to freak these guys out. <laughs> what, what, I uh, bet they take off running. What, what time we have left here? It's 42 minutes. 42. Do you think you can fit in one Dave story or do you think we should save it? Yeah, I think I could get one real quick. Uh, tell the tell the mat, the mat. Yeah, yeah. Just hush. Settle down. All right. So Trapper Dave was, did he always hijacks my stories? It drives me nuts. I'm going to stay out of this one. Okay. So Dave was telling us a story. This was, so there's a cabin on the property and before the cabin they had wall tents and he said, and he used to stay in them like days, weeks on end, whatever. Because he's a trapper. He's not only an outfitter. He's yeah. He's trapping out there. Years or making money. And so one of the things that Matt would do to fuck with Dave. The one time he did it. The, or the, the one time he did it. I don't fuck with Dave. You don't. And I'll, the story gets to that okay. here in a minute. So the one time Matt did it, like Dave saw his headlights or whatever coming mm-hmm. through the trees while well, he was throwing sticks and rocks and shit at the wall tent. at the at the wall tent and dave you know yelled at him whatever hey, don't do that shit well then dave said it was like a couple weeks later he was sitting in the wall tent and a big flash of light came through and then he heard matt throwing rocks and sticks and shit is it is well dave being the way he was Went up and hid in the woods with his rifle. Fuck. And he was aiming at the tent. He was going to, you know, scare him, whatever. Yeah. Or kill him if it wasn't him. Or kill him (laughs) if it wasn't him. Yeah. Well, uh, Matt shows up, what, two hours later or whatever? Yeah. And Dave comes out just pissed. like, you stupid cocksucker. You're throwing rocks at you, waking me up. And Matt's like, Dave, I I just got here. that, That wasn't me. And Dave's like, oh, I was sitting up in the woods. And, I, and Dave didn't see anything. Hmm. He said it wasn't nothing. Yeah. And like that kind of shit. That's sketchy. Like, Oh, yeah. Spooky. And this is, what is word. it, 17 miles from the nearest road to get into camp? Well, it's right next to another ranch, but you don't have access to the other ranch. So I mean, Right. No one's going to be out there so fucking with Dave. So, you know what? No. You know what? With that, I want to ask Dylan as a farmer. How many, uh, what is, the, I can never think of this fucking word. Mm. The little alien imprints that leave on crop fields. Crop what, circles? Crop yeah, circles. How many of those do you have on your place? 
Never had one. Oh, okay. Mm. It's too cold that in Montana solves for that it. shit. That solves it. It's just too cold up here. Area 51 is defunct. <laughs> but uh, no, uh, the biggest thing about that story was like, Dave said that several times where shit just starts hitting the side of the fucking house. Or like, we have to have him on here to ask him about something like, like he was at the cabin one day and it was like almost like someone turned the fucking light switch on outside. And every window had light coming in it. Jesus. Yeah. I don't know. Just spooky shit like that. That was a, I feel like a good story. Dude, I got chills right dude, now. Dude, I know. I'm like reliving it in my head and I'm like, oh, fuck. I, I really feel like that was a very well needed uh, wall tank chronicle. Oh, yeah. Sure. We need to and, change a pace. Yeah. And thank fucking Dylan for coming on yeah. and telling all the stories. I mean, shit. What? Dylan, awesome, you double man. podcasted tonight. Yeah. You double episoded. We'll get you on again, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We'll I appreciate being on here, though. Yeah. Anyway, I appreciate Definitely. having you. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us. Yeah. And I'll uh, catch you on the next one. Yeah, see you. See you, folks. That's all for today, folks. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Make sure to download and listen to the Bull Mountain Brothers podcast. You can catch us on Spotify and Apple Music. Don't forget to check us out on social media for more daily content. Links in the description. Yeah.